0: AVXL episode 147 was recorded on July 22, 2021. Is the Hisense U7G the best budget 4K TV you can buy? LG's new QNED TV. What? New speakers from Sony. Definitive's got a whole new lineup of subwoofers. And yes, we can help pick a new SACD player. Don't forget, email ask at if you've got a question for us. And thank you, thank you. Thank you to everyone that supports AVXL at patreon.com slash AVXL. You make it possible for Robert and I to make the show.
1: Testing one, two,
0: three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick
1: Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron.
0: I am having a fascinating time experiencing the most pure expression of the Harman Audio Curve, the sort of tested, people selected what they liked, how it sounded, and then they matched that frequency response curve, and that's the Harmon Curve. I'd love to talk to Sean Olive about that someday. We'll talk about that next week. Are you on fire currently in California? Can you breathe?
1: Yes. The (laughs) Bay Area's air quality is excellent. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Hello, everyone. My name is Robert (laughs) Yeah, the Western United States remains on fire, but I think if you just check the news in the last few days, the flooding in Western Germany, Austria, as well as the latest flooding in China is just out of control. It couldn't be more opposite from the Western United States right now in terms of... There is no water. One half on fire, the other half under flood, and it's just crazy times weather-wise for all. So hopefully...
0: You are safe and sound and not underwater, on fire, and capable of drinking water and or flushing your toilets. What's that thing? Hot girl summer? <laughs> it's mad weather summer. Wild times,
1: man. Wild times.
0: Uh, Sony dropped an announcement of uh, some new sort of flagship speakers and a sound bar. The hta 9 High Performance Home Theater System, a.k.a. the 360 Spatial Sound Mapping Dolby Atmos DTS-X Home Theater System, or simply the HT-A9. This is an interesting device. This is an attempt to bring, I hate to say the spousal acceptance factor, but essentially uh, living room compatible surround sound with minimum impact on the decor of the room. It's kind of spendy. It's going to have a lot of processing. Uh, 1800 bucks. you get four wireless speakers and a controller box, which uses Sony's 360 spatial sound mapping for a whole new surround experience. Cool. As always, or almost always, wireless means there's no wire to a box or an AV receiver, but you're still going to need to plug it into a 120-volt power cable somewhere. I particularly like how in one of the Sony pictures on the on the, uh on the, the webpage for the HTA nine, you can see where they carefully, they let, I, I got to give them props. They, you could see the power cables, but they had um, very carefully detailed them right around the edge of the coffee table or the side table by the couch and up underneath. So it was, it was, it, I props to Sony for not showing a picture of them in a room without power cables. Cause I've seen some of that and it irritates me. Each speaker's got a a, a little mud-woofer, mudwoofer, hopefully not a mudwoofer, a midwoofer, a tweeter, and an upfiring firing speaker, uh, and then a pair of mics for their uh, proprietary room tuning process. So the idea, right, is is it bounces audio inside of your room, it does some math, and then quote, creates up to 12 phantom speakers from just four real speakers judging from their photos and their demo videos, the speakers don't have to be at equal heights or at equal distances, which is really good because if you've you know I've having had uh, discussions, I'll call them discussions uh, with uh, uh, my beloved spouse over the locations of speakers in a room. Um, the idea that you could stuff one over here and one down there and that one over there and this one there uh, and they can tune for that is really really attractive if that whole 360 spatial sound mapping delivers what it's supposed to. Exactly. They support Dolby Atmos, DTS:X. So that's $1800 for that the four wireless speakers in the controller box. They also announced the $1300 HT-A7000 soundbar which Again, better sound freaking fantastic for the money because there's no subwoofer for that, right? Both of those work with the optional uh, SASW5 or SASW3 subwoofers. Uh, those are $700 and $350, uh, and they are wireless. They also have an optional pair of wireless rear speakers, the SARS3S, that are going to spend you... Uh, are going to cost you about $350. So if you want a subwoofer, and you do, and you want wireless rear speakers, which you probably would for the sound bar, sorry, uh, these start getting into the uh, $2,000 plus range, you know, 2000 to $2,500 range and that's spendy they better be really really good for the money i think there's a lot of wiggle room especially for the hta 9 because of them being very independent of speaker position i also as always i'm always uptight about not having a center channel near the uh
1: screen and you would need the soundbar for that i love the design i think it looks attractive but i was thinking as ideal as this might be for say the living room we have right now in the home i'm living in. We do not have power at every place I would want a speaker. And that's the only concern. The room is pre-wired for something like 5.1 already. Right. And this would still require having that power adapter nearby. Otherwise, you would need an outlet behind every speaker if you plan to wall mount these. Or on the floor. (laughs) It's a lot easier if you're not planning to wall mount this system. And Uh then you would just simply be able to, you know accordingly if you want to just start with the soundbar and then eventually upgrade to the rear four channels or those four channels and then add a sub down the road i do like the modularity design that way where it gives you a little choice in terms of how you want to build it out or maybe you want to start a little lower key and then build it out from there we talked about the hisense uh, 2021 announcements uh
0: well, sometime in the past. <laughs> oh, so long ago.
1: Months. Months it, it's been.
0: Uh, yeah. It seems like it was it was long. It seemed like it was somehow managed to be long after CES, but long before now. But uh, reviews are coming out on the uh,
1: Hisense U7G. What's up with that? It's their value lineup, value performance, I'll say, for 2021. This will replace the 2020 H8G.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At this price point, what they're talking about for a 55 and 65 inch screen sizes this is gonna give something like the TCL 6 series some strong competition in terms of that value versus performance. And it will likely cut into the models that are more affordable from companies like Sony and Samsung as well. This is a 4K television. It has 120 Hertz native panel, quantum dot color, and up to 90 zones of local dimming. You'll find that more premium TVs will offer even more zones of that local dimming function that can just add to the contrast to the picture and produce hopefully less artifacting like blooming or halos around bright objects on dark screens. The U7G for 2021 is also gonna feature auto low latency mode as well as variable refresh rate, and it includes FreeSync compatibility. I think it's FreeSync Premium actually. The thing that jumped out to me is that this is a TV that easily hits 900 nits in standard dynamic range. And it pushes it up to about 950, 960 when doing HDR. And even the EOTF in terms of that brightness tracking for your HDR content was practically spot on right out of the box. So you're going to get a very good picture quality with that. It's DCI-P3 color saturation is pretty decent for an LCD I believe your OLEDs and other more premium TVs will push that even closer to 100%. But as measured, it was above 95%, which was still pretty good. Hmm. And it's going to give you that punch. The more realistic color with content properly authored. So that's when it's properly authored. Exactly. <laughs> the folks at ratings were super pleased with this TV for its given price. I am looking forward to seeing it come up on sale where you knock a couple hundred bucks off and and then it makes it a super tempting deal. Very similar to what you see with TCL and some of their offerings as well. Terrific work from the folks at Hisense. Truly, uh, it seems like every year we keep repeating this, but they're a company that is at least focused on making steady improvements every year to their products. This should be a great choice for anyone into gaming or with a well-lit room where you just need something even during the day. Uh, to help combat that ambient light. And having 900 nits in standard dynamic range is terrific. There aren't many TVs out there that are going to push that bright uh, during the daytime. And that will beat any OLED currently out there practically uh, for much less money. All around, a win-win. I know. Look, anytime there's something more competitive in the budget range, I'm happy.
0: Still not giving them my projector, but I love to see more stuff in the budget range out there. Other announcement that came out uh, in the last few days Definitive, the speaker company, uh, Sound United's. Uh uh, well, Sun United has B&W Definitive and Polk now uh, under, their, uh, under their umbrella, but they announced the Descend DN15 and DN12 subwoofers, quote, capable of delivering low-base extension down to 20 hertz using its proprietary 3XR technology that features custom drivers and same-size dual radiator arrays. So the big ones, the DN15 and DN12, have 1500-watt uh, peak class h amps uh class h amp. i'm not going to get into what makes class h amp a class h amp uh it's just unusual to see them that's neither here nor there these are spendy these are as expensive as any premium subwoofer only subwoofer manufacturer uh these have to be really good because it's eighteen hundred dollars for the dm15 1200 for the dn12 uh they also have a, a, a tenant subwoofer 800 the DN-10 and the DN-8, which is $500, about the size of a 12-inch cube. Those two pack 500-watt Class D amplifiers, also using the 3XR dual radiator architecture, which is essentially two passive radiators and one uh, driven speaker, one driver, two radiators. Passive radiators and subs is really unusual. Uh, I think I read at one point for a reason. So I'm very, very curious to see the CEA 2010 numbers
1: uh, on the performance of these and hearing them Live. I'll be curious to see how smooth that roll-off is heading down to 20 hertz. That's a, yeah, that's pretty low. That's a nice boom. That's a gut feeling yeah. boom.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and given, I mean, you know, you they're competing with, and, and look, you know, in, in the, in the outlets they're in, they may not be competing, right? You know, we're home theater geeks here. We're enthusiasts, you know, we're audio geeks here. Uh so we know about Shoe and Monoprice Monolith and SVS and RSL. But if these sell for MSRP, especially for that uh eighteen hundred dollar DN fifteen, that twelve hundred dollar DN twelve, uh they are as expensive as the best subwoofers you can buy. And uh I look forward to like I said, I want to see the CEA twenty ten numbers
1: and uh what their performance is like in the real world. Heck yeah. So, yeah. Hey, the 2020 Olympics is coming up this week. Yay! And it will be in 4K and HDR, plus Dolby Atmos audio for select viewers. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I was over on the NBC Olympics. Several people. Yes, exactly. Some people will, some people won't. And I'm going to try to break down exactly how you can actually check out the 2020. 2020 games in quotes. I mean, I know it's 2021, but it's the 2020 Olympics. We're getting it on. And I checked out the NBC Olympics website and their 4K coverage for the Tokyo Olympics is basically showing that anyone with a YouTube TV account, and I am focused here on the North American market. It will be different if you're somewhere else in the world, clearly. But for everyone around me, anyway, if you have a YouTube TV account, you can watch all of the events in 4K, at least all of the ones that will be provided in 4K. Xfinity and Comcast is, I would say, second in terms of what markets the games will be available to see in 4K. However, Xfinity will be offering Dolby Atmos audio, which is hmm. going to be nice if you actually are a Xfinity Comcast subscriber. And since YouTube TV just announced an upgrade to 5.1 surround sound, it really seems unlikely that they're going to make any kind of Dolby Atmos audio available anytime soon. So if you wanted the full experience uh, with HDR and Dolby Atmos, it looks like Xfinity Comcast is the main bet. But if you check Mm -hmm. out that page at NBCOlympics.com slash 4K, you can see exactly what providers are providing content. It's pretty scattered otherwise besides the YouTube TV and the Xfinity Comcast subscribers having access to that content. It's kind of hit or miss. It'll be interesting to see how well that, you know,
0: if, if, I mean, are they talking about doing live or or post Dolby Atmos audio? Because based on conversations I've had doing Dolby Atmos audio live is a non-trivial
1: experience. I Um, am just as curious to see all of this as well. I'm also curious to see if perhaps with the ATSC 3.0 rollout still happening across the United States If any of the test markets will get some of this coverage in 4K HDR, maybe with an Atmos feed as well, I'm not holding my breath on that one. And like you kind of said, too, I'm just really hoping that all of this quote-unquote 4K Olympic content, the detail is there, and it's really not just what typically is. It seems like, to me anyway, visually, 1080p upscaled, if we're lucky. We wait with bated breath. Um,
0: Good read if you have a projector... uh... Uh, Our friend Scott Wilkinson uh, just did a Tech Talk article for Projector Central, optimizing your projector for HDR, and it's really simple. He asks, is it really possible to get a good HDR image from a projector? That's a quote, by the way. His response is interesting. He says yes, but that uh, some experts, quote, wouldn't call it true HDR, but rather extended dynamic range, which lies somewhere between SDR and HDR. And part of that's because, right, your projector is not going to be as bright as a flat panel unless you are you know, spending house money uh, on a projector. But he also points out that it can look vastly better than the SDR from the same projector standard definition. The really interesting thing is uh, it's not just about the projector. It's about the room and the screen and the projector settings. What's really great is he brings a trio of calibrators into the conversation. Uh, David Amerts of uh, Avical, Chris Deering of Deep Dive AV, and Kevin Miller of ISF TV. I'm just going to tell you to go to to the link in the show notes or just go to Projector Central. Uh, I'm not going to, because I want them to get the traffic. But it is a really good read if you own a
1: projector and you want to maximize your HDR experience. Just saying. I know David Abrams and Kevin Miller, and I respect them. And I'm, I'm curious to see what Chris Daring has to say on that as well. I am reading that article because I want to see what they talk about regarding color, because that is one thing. If you have a projector that can do a DCI color space or a P3 color space, That, to me, is what really grabs your eye. And then having that dynamic range and the amount of steps within that dynamic range that can be represented on the screen. Yeah, that's going to be a huge part of the experience. For me, it's also the color. And a lot of these projectors Mm are way capable of producing, quote-unquote, HDR color. I'm going to be doing a little reading after the show. (laughs) Well, I'll give you a hint. There's an introduction. They discuss the environment,
0: the screen, basic user controls, calibration, evaluation, HDR versus SDR. And my favorite section, part eight, economic realities. Uh. <laughs> we need another mortgage. <laughs> well, yeah it's, yeah, it's a good thing, you know. And
1: I'd say your projector is a good HDR projector. Your 50- It is. Your Epson 5050. Uh, that has I love my Epson 50-50. Decent yeah. color. I really appreciate it. And the color brightness and anyway, I'm not going down a rabbit hole with that right now.
0: They get really deep into a discussion of what's going on. Uh I'm going to I'm going to steal one paragraph. Um No, I'm not. It's just it's just say it's here it is. Um Wait, there's more. That $30,000 projector is five times louder because of the fans to cool the brighter light source. So now I need a hush box. Oh, and I need HVAC for that hush box. So now it's $50,000. Went from $10,000 to $50,000 very quickly just to get P3 color at 100 nits while reducing the noise from the projector. Yeah. That's uh, an extreme example. And if you have been trying to figure out how to get the best performance out of your projector and, and you know, you're listening so you can't see me raising my hand, it is a fantastic read. Uh, Scott's, Scott's a really good writer. It's some good stuff. And uh, I highly, highly recommend it if you're a projector owner or thinking about what's going to happen if you go from an OLED television to a projector, which, of course, is something we've talked about a lot, especially if you're in a bright room. What's a (laughs) QNED?
1: Exactly. What the hell is a QNED? Well, it's actually (laughs) (laughs) LG for 2021, baby. Their premium LCD panel. We're not talking OLED here. We're talking their best LCD TV is something called the AK QNED QNED 99 Series Smart TV. That is available now up to 86 inches for a cool 6,500 bucks. And they also have 65 and 75-inch screen sizes, too, with MSRPs of about 3,500 and 4,800, respectively. It's actually on sale at Walmart right now, or available at Walmart and your other retailers out there. On the LG website, they're detailing the fact that this has an 8K panel, 8K, true 8K resolution, with mini-LED backlighting. I believe this is their first dip into the pool for true mini LED backlighting. On that 86-inch screen size, they'll have approximately 30,000 LED lights arranged to create about 2,500 local dimming zones. Those numbers are pretty impressive. And it will have, of course, Quantum Dot Color, Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision compatibility, their latest Gen 4 AI processor. That thing will likely run your modern apps with just nice ease. You won't need to add a box to that unless you really want to. Four ports on that TV will also support 4K 120 input, including auto low latency mode, a game optimizer function, HGIG support. They're also WISA ready. So if you want to add a separate dongle, you can do up to 5.1 channels of wireless speaker awesomeness. Hey. I really can't wait to actually see the measurements off of these TVs, considering it's LG's best LCD of 2021. I'll be curious to see how it competes against some of the other super premium TVs out there in that space. And I'm also with 30,000 LED backlights, uh, mini LED lights. I am really curious to see what sort of light output they'll be able to achieve with something like an 86-inch panel. Right. It's interesting. (laughs) It's got the numbers. Let's just see how it is in the lab. We'll go from there. Crew over at ELAC have added
0: another speaker lineup. The new Solanos feature uh, Jet5 tweeters. That's their Air Motion Transformer, or ELAC's Air Motion Transformer tweeter. Those are the ones that squeeze out the sound rather than uh, push out the sound like a traditional dynamic driver. They're paired with a 6-inch aluminum cone woofer. When you look at them, they're basically glossy black or white boxes with a rounded front edges on the left and right, not the top and bottom. The woofer is actually an aluminum paper bonded sandwich, which is uh, interesting. I'm kind of curious what that was about. Uh, there are three speakers in the lineup. The BS-283 bookshelf speaker has a single woofer and tweeter. The FS-287 floor standards and CC-281 center channel feature a pair of woofers with that tweeter. They're going to be available in July and a pair of the bookshelf speakers will run you 2,000. The center channel is $1,200 while the towers run 2,000 each. This is the second uh, AMT air motion transformer tweetered speaker we've seen from ELAC and uh, the other one would be the Vela and that was $2,500 a pair. So this is uh, bringing that fancy tweeter into a somewhat more affordable package. Very, very curious to hear it. Uh, hopefully they'll be at Rocky Mountain Audio Fest later this year. Excellent.
1: I love that tweeter technology. I'm so glad that's no longer mm-hmm. under patent and it's being used by more yeah. companies. It's just a great efficient design.
0: <laughs> As I look over at the golden ear speakers in the in the theater room over there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting also because this uh, uh, it's like $2,500 for the Velas. In fact, I almost think Is it $2,500 each or $2,500 for the pair? If only I had memorized every single speaker price in history. $2,500 for the pair, but the same Jet 5 tweeter. Different enclosure, uh, different woofer. We got a great question from Bernard, and I want to open this up to everybody out there in the audience that uh, owns and plays SACDs, because I do not. Uh, I do not own any. I do not play any. Uh, I am happy for people who do, but I, I want your input on this question from Bernard. He tweeted out, do either of you have a suggestion for a reasonably priced universal or at least SACD player now that Oppo isn't making them anymore? I have a small but beloved collection that I haven't been able to play since my Yamaha stopped working for SACD. So I know. I Around and I got a bunch of listings. I went to crutchfield.com because they actually make it fairly easy to search on this without false uh, false positive responses. You know, the current list of SACD players is really short. You're starting with Sony's uh, UBP X700 and the UBP X800 M2, those are like 180 and $250. Uh, jumping up to $1,300, you get models from Arcam, uh, they're a UK audio company, down in America, and Yamaha, uh, which Bernard may not be into uh, Yamaha right now. Uh, and if you want to go to like $3,000 uh, up into the nosebleed sections, and as far as I'm concerned, $3,000 is pretty nosebleedy. You get offering some Morantz, McIntosh, Denon America, or Denon uh, Mark Lemonson, again, Yamaha. Um, there's a lot out there. The Morantz SADCD CD 30 ends about 2,600. Um, the anniversary edition DCD A110, which is a SACD CD player from Denon, that's 3,200. Uh, we mentioned that r Oh, it's 1,200 today. It looks like McIntosh's uh, MCT 500 uh, is around five grand. Their MCD 350, which is also an SACD slash CD player, is 5,500. There's offerings uh, again. You know, Marantz's SA10. You know, which is a SACD CD player with a USB DAC. It's about seven thousand dollars. So you can spend pretty much as much money as you want. But at the entry level, you're looking at uh, Sony's uh, Sony's players that read uh, SACD. You know, and it's kind of funny because basically it's Sony Blu-ray slash DVD players that do SACD uh, or dedicated audio components. It started around twelve hundred dollars
1: at this point. That's Sony X700 for hundred and eighty bucks sounds pretty decent if that's really what you need. It'll get yeah. it done.
0: Yeah, you know, it's also not going to have analog outputs for that price. That's when things get kind of crazy. There's the UBP X1100ES, which just rolls off the tongue. Um who am I kidding? I love reading these names. But there are options out there, but yeah, for a dedicated audio component, you're going to be spending a lot of money. Although that's uh Oh, you have right and left out on audio on the X1100. And now I just want to double check. Does the 800 have that? No. Yeah. So for dedicated analog outputs, you're looking at a, a minimum of uh, $600. If you can live with the HDMI lifestyle, then you're starting at about $180, $250. So I hope that helps. Very cool. Very cool. I have not watched a lot of video in the last uh, week because uh, I've been working on the house. I mostly enjoyed Loki. I have some complicated feelings uh, about how it uh, ended up. What streaming platform is Loki available on? That would be Disney Plus, sir. Gotcha. <laughs> it's,
1: I, w- I will say, <laughs> oh, watching of it... Of course it would be. <laughs> what am I thinking? Never mind.
0: <laughs> Can I say the ending left me with mixed feelings without it being a spoiler? Yes. I think so. Uh, visually it's one of the most entertaining it's just whoever did all the set designing on that uh, is fantastic it's just if you're into mid-century weirdness it's utterly fantastic and there's a dog pile of easter eggs in there uh, if you're a Marvel fan which I did not recognize but some of my Marvel enthusiast friends were like did you see this and did you see this and did you see this like I saw it I didn't know what it meant in the easter egg sense But, yeah, also anytime you can watch that man act. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Anytime you can watch Tom Hiddleston act, it's a good day. So I love the casting on that. some really good stuff. Um, You, sir? Me? Are you in the thick of uh, any series, any shows, any videos? Not a thing at the
1: moment. I have been working on my workstation. I had upgraded the graphics card on that, and I was going through it one last time. Uh, In an attempt not to have to open the case again, but uh, just to make sure (laughs) things like the air cooling and the pathways through it are all doing the best they can. And given that it's a a micro ATX motherboard in a micro ATX case, that isn't as large as some of your bigger cases. So I have to be a little conscious about my cable routing and airflow characteristics. But so far, it's been a few days now and everything's looking fantastic. And I'm just, I'm still digging it. Still enjoying that new monitor. Still finding content. I still need to calibrate it. Actually, that might be something I'll do today. I have a few hours right now, and I might just jump on that and get it done. There you have it.
0: Yeah. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) avxl.com is the website. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can go there or search for avxl on your favorite podcatcher. We should be everywhere. Uh, If we're not, do us a favor. Send us an email. Ask at avxl.com and tell us where you want us to be. I, I'm pretty sure we're listed everywhere that you might search for us. But if we're not, uh, let us know and we'll work on that. Uh, another shout out to our patrons at patreon.com slash AVXL. We really, really appreciate your support. Yeah, we do. Your contributions make it much easier for us to get the time for the show and to cover the costs on that. And uh, as always, tweet at Robert Heron, at Patrick Norton, or at AVXL if you don't want to email us. And uh, if you want to get a hashtag, go on pound ask AVXL.
1: Works just spiffy. I totally forgot a question about a white power cable. I will get into that next week. (laughs) Okay. There's plenty to get into
0: next week. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Herron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL.